Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today to talk a lot of baseball. Little little trade deadline, little what do we see with the Mariners coming up, um, and then give you some thoughts on some trades that we've, that we've talked about um, personally, and then one quick little dive into how we think the season could play out at the end, and then we'll talk a little storm basketball, because... The WNBA All-Star Game was last week, and we missed you, and we figured we might as well give you an update on that since we didn't give you a, an MLB All-Star Game update. That's that's about on, uh, as equal as it can get, right? Yeah, double up on the All-Star talk. <laughs> and then we have time. We might do a, a tiny bit on the Seahawks, but we'll see how we're doing. We have a tendency of running long, me and Tyler, believe it or not. Yeah, that's kind of just how our podcasts work. But to get us started, as always, a little Coyote Picnic. John, we're going to have a serious talk here for a second. Oh, boy. How much Mariners have you watched recently? Are you and my mom getting divorced? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I have not watched a ton of Mariners post-All-Star break. Um, I caught game two against the Twins. Um, I caught game three against the Blue Jays, which would have been before the Twins. Um, but that's it. Only two games post-All-Star. Okay. Here's something that I think that I noticed when they were playing the Twins, specifically kind of that series. Um, the Mariners jumped off to like a 4-0 lead in one of those games and then immediately gave it right back up. And then the Mariners got down to like a 4-0 deficit. And I was like, you know, I think they've kind of got this one and they're going to come back. <laughs> and I think... I've gotten to the point now where I think they're just going to play a lot of close games. The offense seems to be clicking, and I don't know why, but I don't think I trust the pitching as much as I usually have been. Um, any thoughts on that? It feels like the the pitching has kind of decreased since the All-Star break. Do you think they need to ramp back up? Do you think they're tired? There's been a lot of talk about like um, the workload of different pitchers, like Brian Wu. He might need to take some innings off um, or take some starts off to, to decrease his inning count. Yeah, well, there's definitely that. Um... I, yeah, I think fatigue is a factor. I think um, a little, you know, a little bit of fluctuation in terms of quality in the top of our rotation is noticeable. Um, I just feel like we're feeling the injuries. You know, we've talked a lot about how this is a, a really deep, uh, really deep bullpen, but, you know, we've just had a couple of guys get hurt. A lot of guys with nagging injuries. Um, is Marco back? No, Marco is around the clubhouse, but he's not back. He's, uh, I think he's done for, for quite a while. Yeah, I just think, I think the guys we've come in to have fill in for Marco and Cole, I just feel like, you know, we were optimistic, but they're not that great. And then, you know, top of our order has been struggling a little bit. Um, I just... Yeah, I think it's the pitching, too. I've actually been really pleased with how our lineup's hitting, mm -hmm. um, but I do not feel like the pitching has been outstanding. Yeah, we gave up seven runs in our last two wins against the Twins, which is, you know, fantastic for our offense, but speaks to our struggling pitching. We gave up eight runs to the Blue Jays when we, when we beat them on Saturday the 22nd. And then, yeah, just looking down the line, if I had Excel in front of me, I could pull up an average for you post-All-Star. But there, we've allowed a zero-run game, which is nice, a zero-run game, a two-run game, and every other game we've allowed four or more, which is two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. So <laughs> three games we've allowed them to less than four, and ten we've allowed to four or more, including a lot of sevens, eights, a couple tens. So, yeah. It's been the pitching. That's pretty clear. And I think that continues kind of what we were seeing. I was listening to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago. I know it's a little little narcissistic to to listen to your own podcast, but I have to get back to you know where we were since we missed last week. Um, we were good at the beginning of the July. We started off six and one, I think, is what we yeah, said. We were shredding. I know, and and so far we're fourteen and eight in the month of July, which is which is great. Um, Oh, yeah, we were. We were 6-1. and one. So if we're 14-8, and eight, that means we've gone 8-7. and seven. 
Yeah. I, I guess or, that's okay. Yeah. That, that's okay, but that's kind of what we were expecting when we talked about it. What do we say? We said they were going to be about 500. <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's okay, I guess. We're going to let that be okay for now. Um, I'm going to finish this point by just saying at, at that time, our offense was hitting or scoring five runs or more in most of those games. In the one game we lost, I think we got shut out. And I think what that's showing is our offense is hitting its stride a little bit. We've gotten a lot more consistency. We're still scoring a lot of runs, as we said. Um, and our pitching is kind of the thing that's been a little lackluster. And I think that comes from the bullpen being a little exhausted and the starters being pretty exhausted as well because for so long they were trying to keep us in the games and you can get you can maybe get a little relaxed when your offense is doing well um but yeah the bullpen's been not struggling but they've been exhausted we've used seawald five of the last six games munoz has been used a bunch i think our starters just aren't going very deep and then we just have to use the bullpen guys a lot more um which can can cause these kinds of issues that we're seeing that's a really good point about our offense cooking in July. You're right. That's what was carrying us early, and that is what has been carrying us late. Our last three wins, we've given up a combined 22 runs in three games, and we won those three games. Um, so, yeah, our offense has been cooking. I'm almost – I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, I guess the last two days we've had awesome wins over the Twins. I didn't watch either of those games. Those were – great game i was listening while working you know i was listening to uh the the twins game that was at noon on wednesday and that was so pleasant to listen to you know what it was is yeah going into the all-star break we had a lot of optimism but we we're like okay you know we gotta play in the tigers and the twins we need to win those two series and like really build on this momentum and we lost both of those series and i i think i threw in the towel on the month of july at that point and then, yeah, we won the series against the Blue Jays. And we won the series against the Twins just now. Yes, won the series against the Twins. So we really just don't have no idea what we're trying to do. And we're two games above 500 again. Jesus, just put me down or give me hope. Can we just be five games over or five games under? It's, uh, I'm so sick of this, hanging out around 500. I was thinking about it, and I was like, are we the Atlanta Hawks of the MLB? Like, <laughs> oh, That is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Um. Yeah, that's crazy. So Dylan Moore hit two dingers yesterday, and then two days ago it was... Julio hit two. He's hit three home runs in the last two games, just so you know. I, I want you to be a little worried about our bet that we made before the season started. Remind me what the number was? It's 35 home runs. He's at 18 now. He's at 17. 17 now? Okay. Well, stranger things have happened. He could go on a tear. Absolutely. I would be, I would be excited. Um, yeah, and you know what makes that so interesting is that even with the fact that it's been our offense carrying us through the month of July, when we do talk about trades, and we will, I don't think we're going to be talking about trading for many pitchers. I think we're going to be talking about trading pitchers to increase depth in our in our lineup, which um, is an interesting little, still speaks to the faith we have in our pitching staff. But yeah, man, injuries are tough. Managing workloads are obviously really tough. With yeah, with yeah. like Brian Wu, he he's only supposed to p- pitch like 120 to 140 innings this year, and he's yeah. almost there. Yeah, and I I you know you are a big Brian Wu guy, which I respect, but I am not quite the same. Uh, You're more of a Bryce Miller guy. I'm a huge Bryce Miller guy. That's why in my trade uh, trade talk later, I want to trade Bryce Miller. <laughs> yeah, and I just feel like Kirby hasn't been as good recently. Gosh, he's only nine and eight on the year. What's crazy is Castillo only has six wins, and he's got one of the like top ten ERAs in all the American League. That is crazy. We have not given him a lot of support at all. Yeah, Brian Wu has got like a five ERA. That's got Bryce Miller has to be better than that. Bryce Miller has a yeah. Bryce Miller is a full point ERA lower than Brian Wu. Yeah, yeah Bryce Wu's Miller had, is seven and three, dude. He's, yeah, he's got our best record as a pitcher. Brian Wu's had a couple more blowups, but he like. To start, he was rough, and he's like slowly bringing his ERA down. Bryce Miller started off hot and has been worse. I think is where it is. Like you were paying attention early, I've been continuously paying attention, and thus I see the Brian Wu hype train going up while Bryce Miller's staying flat. He's not going down, but you know who's been our most disappointing pitcher? Don't say Logan Gilbert. I was about to say Logan Gilbert. No, I I love I love Logan. I'm a, the only reason I say that is because my expectations for Logan were sky high before the year. And he he's arguably regressed. Arguably, yeah. You you could there there's a few things that you could look at and say, okay, Gilbert's been worse this year, but I also want to say Gilbert has been like the rock of the rotation, I think. Like he's consistent in the fact that he gives up, you know, 
two to four runs every time he pitches. I think that's the thing. Like his ERA is, yeah, that's exactly what you want from your number three starter. But yeah, his ERA is 3.8. Last year, obviously, he didn't play the full season. But last year, was a 3-2. I, I, was, I was hoping he'd get down sub three this year. I think he's like a good a good year. Or like the, this offseason, I think he's going to make that jump. I think this is his Some kind of like... are real for pitchers too, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, this is his third year. But his first year was rough. His second year, he actually did better his second year. No, this is, last year was his first year. No. Yeah. He, he's listed on CBS Sports as a first-year guy. But, really? But I could. I thought he came up in, like, May of last year. That was Kirby, I thought. Uh, no, man. I don't know. I don't know. Talk about it in the Spotify comments that are there. I don't really... <laughs> not sure. But anyways, let's, uh, let's move a little past this. I want to get one more little... Mer- and, like discussion about the current team before we get into trades how do you feel about the jared kelnick injury and uh did you did you see that what uh what went down did you see the interview i did not see the interview what interview so he gave an interview so for those of you that don't know which are the five of you that are listening probably um, (laughs) (laughs) um jared kelnick after or during the Twins game, I think it was the last Twins game of that initial series, so not the most recent one, but the the first one against them. He uh, he struck out, and then when he went back in the dugout, he apparently kicked a cooler and broke his foot. I didn't um, realize that it was on a on a self inflicted play. Yeah, so he was very frustrated, which is understandable. He's a competitive guy. We've all seen that kind of fire in Jared. Um, and so he, the next day, apparently he was given the choice between having like a representative from the team speak for him or him speaking for himself. And he was like in the dugout and there was just like 10 reporters around him and he was just crying, like talking about how much it was like it meant to him to not be a part of the team right now and just like how frustrated he was with himself. Well, that's awesome. And that's the thing. A lot of the, a lot of like Mariners, a lot of the Mariners fans were kind of rallying around Jared, which was really cool to see. I kind of thought that it would be like, oh, why is this kid doing this kind of stupid thing he's but that's what that's what it would have been you know the second that he's crying in an interview then it's like god damn that's my guy we all all do stupid (laughs) shit man i love you come back um yeah i think i care way more about having the players that i like want to be on the team than i do about them making the perfect decision every time you know that's sick I'm, i'm really glad to hear that yeah it's so interesting that you know, obviously our pitchers are hurt too, but the fact that JP's out, Jared's out, and AJ's out, and we're still just cranking out runs. Well, J- JP, I think, was just out for like a game or two, just with like a little bit of a needs some rest kind of time. Yeah, he's still um, technically listed as injured. Like, oh, he missed the last two games against the Twins, I think. Interesting. I think, yeah, I guess thinking about it, yeah, Demo started those those last two games. Um yeah, I don't think he'll he'll be out for long. But yeah, Pollock is uh, is I think ten day IL or maybe fifteen, um, and then Jared's out for I think it was four to six weeks a couple of days after the announcement of the injury. So he'll be out till September. I would be surprised if that's all. He he strikes me as a, as and you know it actually makes sense. Sit him, and if we somehow make the playoffs, you can bring him back for that. But if not, sit him. It, four weeks for a broken foot? Come on, let's give him a little time. I guess. Depends on how bad it is, obviously, but and how tight the race is going down the stretch. But if we're like five games behind the third wild card with ten games to go, why don't we just go ahead and let him rest? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's let's lead that into uh, some trade talks because we need somebody to uh, play for him in his absence. We do indeed. Yeah, fifty-two and fifty. Just just for the folks right now, we're fourth in the AL West. Love to see it. And we are seventh in the wild card currently. Gosh, the Angels jumped us again. Granted, we're only a half game back from them right now, but correct. Yeah, correct. But yeah, Yankees and Boston not horrifically out of bounds. We're three games behind Boston, four and a half games behind the Blue Jays. Yeah, Blue Jays have been slumping a little bit lately. So, and even even the Astros are only five and a half games up. So, big numbers, but uh, you know they're still. 60 games or so on the year so there is time to make up that ground but i am with you in that if we're going to do that it will not be with the team is currently constructed yeah and we've been i don't want to say it but we've been kind of on a little here we've won four of our last six 
um, obviously won those last two series and against against good teams. The Twins are leading the Central, and the the Jays are a good team. The Jays are a very good team. Um, Third wild card, and both playoff teams. Right? Yeah, they're both playoff teams. The Jays, obviously, anytime we play them, we just have the desire to crush their spirit, and so we always try to come from behind victory. That's just kind of our thing. But this, this next series against the Diamondbacks and the kind of next few games before the before the trade deadline, which is coming up. By the way, we're recording this after after work on a Thursday, on July 27th. So just so you guys are are aware that we're recording this on the off day between the Arizona games. Um, after that series is when the trade deadline is is upon us. So this weekend is kind of when everything's either going to happen or not. We need to figure out how we're going to approach this this upcoming next stretch of 60 games. Yeah, this just to give a little context, two things. One, we are on a mini heater, one two series against playoff teams, but just looking back post All-Star, we are exactly 6 and 6 or yeah, 6 and 6 because we lost Oh we, no, we tied the Twins, so we're 7 and 5. Yeah, we we win Four and four and three against the Twins over the seven games that we played them. Yeah, correct. Good call. Good call. I forgot we played them four times. But see, you know, that's what we've done. And then upcoming, we have the Diamondbacks, who are seven games above five hundred. We've got the Red Sox, who are eight games above five hundred. We have the Angels, who are a game and a half ahead of us, or half a game. Uh, the Padres, the Orioles. We have a blessed relief of four games against the Royals, and then we've got the Astros. So, yeah, these next, like, four or five series are going to be really important, all against teams above 500, most of whom are currently primed for a playoff push. Well, and I think the big thing is it's really important, and we have four days to figure out what we're going to do because the trade deadline is, like, like we've said, August 1st. Yes. And so— And we're looking down the barrel. Yeah, it's, it's time to make the decision— and in, you know, in kind of today's the day. I think like today would have been the best day for it because we had an off day. But yeah, we're looking down the barrel, and it's decision time. So, John, let's go through the options. Well, Say, there there are two, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, we we've got buy, which means for those of you that don't know, we want to go for it. We want the team to spend their prospects or you know some guys who maybe aren't playing as well or use their relievers to get higher end talent and make the roster significantly better um usually you give young guys to teams that are playing poorly to acquire veteran assets acquire veteran assets who will be good for the rest of the season or maybe a year and a half um right now we're not really looking at getting guys for four or five years so the question is short term or long term Mm -hmm. um and then yeah selling would be getting rid of guys like teoscar hernandez who's signed through this year um getting rid of relievers like maybe a Paul Seawald, which would suck, but that would be kind of the guy to get rid of if you if you're if you're selling. Um so yeah, let's go through both options. Let's talk about buying first. We're gonna, have, well let's talk about selling first. We're gonna have we're gonna have way more to talk about with buying. Okay. I was okay. So why would we sell? We would sell because we're hovering around five hundred. Around five hundred, four and a half games back you said from the third wild card spot? Correct. Um, and we're looking up at the Astros. We're looking up at the Angels currently. Um, we're looking up at three teams in the AL East, and we play them all. And we don't, if we don't think that we can compete with those teams right now, yes. and don't think that adding, a, adding players at this very moment could help us, well, get other, some value from the guys that are done after this year. The other big thing to think about, it's not just can we make the playoffs, it's who's waiting for us when we get there. Because if you're a basketball team in 2017, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a game out of the playoffs. If if Golden State is, you know, won 68 games with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, you say, okay, you know what, we're going to go ahead and sell this year, which is what literally everybody except Houston and Cleveland did for a couple of years there. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, we can probably get the five seed, but I'd rather have prospects and wait for this thing to blow up. So who are we looking at? The division leaders are the Orioles, Rangers, and Twins in the AL, and the Braves, Dodgers, and Brewers in the NL. Um, there's some really good teams in there. But they look beatable. All of them look beatable. Yeah. Every single one of them. I'm not like, if we were playing Atlanta in the World Series, they would definitely be favored, but I would not be like shaking. And I would say they're the most scary team of all of them. Yeah. Like Atlanta's the best team in the MLB right now. Atlanta is a little scary. But, 
but I think that's the beauty of baseball in a way. It's just like anybody can beat anybody. The Phillies made the World Series last year. Correct. And, against, and beat some teams that were probably more impressive than Atlanta was this year, including Atlanta last year. Yeah. But, yeah, the second best two teams are the Dodgers and the Orioles. And, you know, what, am I really scared of the Orioles? The Orioles just jumped the Rays, but the Rays have been plummeting. Yeah. It's not like they're going to make a huge resurgence. Yeah, Rays don't terrify me. Um, the Orioles are a good team, but they're young. The Astros are good, but they're not as good as they have been. Rangers are, are fake, fake news. We all know that. They're going to lose their last 60 games. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, you know, I do think if this team can build, we don't necessarily have to be terrified of what's waiting in the postseason. So, you know, teams at the top are not necessarily a reason to sell. But we were talking about selling. What would that look like? That would look like giving, like I said, trading to Oscar Hernandez likely to a team that needs either a good fourth outfielder or some team that wants a right-handed power bat who could maybe play some DH. Um, my immediate thought was the Yankees for some reason. They they do need like some just some better players in their outfield positions. I don't I can't think of off the top of my head who their left fielder and right fielder are. Obviously they have Stanton and Judge who are power bats, but Teoscar has good opposite field power and so with the, the Yankee ballpark, it would play well there. Yeah. Um, There's more than that. Good jump to Tay Oscar. Ty France would be on the board. Ty France would be on the board. JP would be on the board. JP's not on the board. JP would be on the board. He's not on the board. board. You think he's too much of a culture guy? Yeah. Oh, I would, I'd be so sad to see him go. But he is 28. There we extended him for like five years or something. A pretty good deal, too. Yeah. We we and he's he's been a better shortstop than any of the like top free agents from last year. Like JP is not something somebody we should get rid of. Fantastic, I'm with you. Ty France is on the board. Ty France, Gino, Gino is on the board. Luis Castillo is on the board. No, Luis Castillo is not on the board. Luis Castillo is 30 years old. Yeah, you you're looking at age. I feel like age is not a Max Scherzer's 40. And he's an ace pitcher. No, he's not even that good anymore. Yeah, but he was a Cy Young contender last year, and he was 39. You're looking like guys are good from age 25 to 30, 37. What I'm saying is if you're trying to build for the future, if your best... You don't trade your ace pitcher that you're paying $20 million for, which is an amazing price. You don't trade your ace pitcher. A lot of value. No, he doesn't. What are you talking about? He's an ace pitcher on a good deal. Well, he does in that sense, but you don't trade him because you have him for four more years. All right, okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't. If, if the idea is to sell, you have to sell. You can't retain everybody. You can't well, just get rid of. Neil Henio is batting two twenty six. Who wants him? I mean, people who don't have a third baseman. The Yankees. They play Josh Donaldson at third base, who is atrocious. Yeah, you're right. But that's yeah, that is fair. I yeah, Castillo's not on the board. I hate to tell you that one, but. He, all of our pitchers are off the board if we're selling. That's the thing. We don't trade any pitchers if we're selling, unless it's Paul Seawall. I was only going to say, Luis, obviously most of our pitchers are really young, which is why I thought it made sense to maybe trim out the one real asset we have at the position who is significantly older than the rest of the pitchers who are really young and talented on this team. The one guy that I would maybe talk about is a Robbie Ray because you know he hasn't been part of the rotation, but the, yeah. we would have already traded Robbie Ray if he were healthy. The problem is, well, we we wouldn't have had to bring Brian Wu up if he were healthy. But, <laughs> I, but no, but I think we might have traded him anyway, just because he is an asset with real value to a team that wants to contend right away, and he's a complete luxury for us. He doesn't he provides the same thing as a pitcher that uh, that Logan Gilbert provides. They're basically him, yeah, him and Bryce. They all. They're not aces like Castillo is. He's just like a good arm, and we have a glut of good arms, and he's old. So even if he were healthy, uh, we should have been looking to trade him. But the problem is he's old and he's hurt, so contenders don't want him right now. Well, so my problem with what you're saying is that, first off, we weren't expecting to have Bryce Miller and Brian Wu be up here and pitching as well as they are. The fact that Robbie Ray and Marco got injured means that they had to come up. But now the the next pitcher up is Emerson Hancock, who's not ready for the MLB right now. He's probably, you know, the end of this year and maybe comes up next May, kind of like Miller did this year. Yeah. Um but we should we were not expecting to have to have them come up and you know, if he was he- if Ray was healthy and Marco was healthy, 
we probably wouldn't have brought Wu up. We're like in kind of a pitching crunch right now because we don't want Brian Wu to have to pitch as many games as he's currently so scheduled. So we're missing to. two starters. Exactly, but... No, that's understandable. So, Regardless, the point is he's not an asset right now because teams that want to contend don't want an injured pitcher on their roster yeah. and teams that want to rebuild don't want a 32-year-old pitcher on their roster. Yeah, well... We'll talk about that later because there's some argument for teams who need pitching and are, you know, close to the cusp with their lineups but don't have the pitching to fortify it. So we'll talk about I'd that. Be, I'd love to see him go. I'd love to see him go. Um, how real – I don't think it's particularly realistic that they'll sell. I just – I think they kind of like how the team's constructed. To be honest, I'm not sure how realistic that they'll do anything significant. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of like – it's the most likely thing would be that nothing happens like in general, um, besides some fringe ads. But yeah, I would say it's not super realistic that they'll sell just based off of how they marketed the team this year. Yeah, um, It would be very unfortunate to, for the fans and everybody to say, you know, we were so ready to go for, to push for a World Series run even. Yeah. And for them to say, uh, actually, it's not working out. I think I, no. I just think, to be honest, I'm going to kind of swerve and just say that like, I kind of wish that they would just like, kind of try to trim the fat this year in terms of in terms of selling high on guys where you can replace them. Because once again, trading Ty France does not mean that you lose Ty France and get nothing in return. <laughs> you know, the idea is you get equal assets in, in return. And I might rather have whatever we can get for Ty France now, next year, than Ty France next year. You know, same with Robbie Ray. I get the Luis Castillo argument. We don't really have an ace to replace him, so and I love and I love him dearly. But um, yeah, Tay Oscar, ugh, I just I wouldn't mind trimming some fat. I would I wouldn't mind it if that was what they chose to do. I heard there was some there was an interview that Jerry Depoto did. Um, I think with seven ten that was he talked about how he he didn't have as much flexibility financially as he thought he would. And so the moves that they made just like weren't substantial enough to want to push them over the edge. And he thought they might've been, and it was his fault. And I, I appreciated that coming from the front office guy mm. for him to say, Hey, that was, that was our fault. Like it's not, the players are, you know, relatively, they might be underperforming a little bit, but they're relatively performing where they were projected. And we were hoping that Julio had a MVP caliber season and Jared got and re- maintained his all-star status or like his all-star production at the start of the season. Like they didn't add, enough to warrant them playing as well as the fans in the marketing thought they would do. Yeah, because, yeah, they may have overperformed a little bit last year. Okay, well, that's enough cell talk. I don't think I don't think they will. We know what it'll be if it yeah. happens. The biggest name we're likely to lose is probably Ty France. Um, so, and I love Ty, but it wouldn't necessarily be a devastating loss to our offense just with his performance so far this year. So, um Buying. Buying. Do you want to? Do you have a trade that you want to talk about, or do you want me to bring up the one that we're likely to argue about immediately? Uh, you know, I I didn't do a ton of research on potential trades. I'm always happy to just throw some out in the air. But you've done a bit of a better job in terms of preparing actual assets on both sides that you think are equivalent to value. However ridiculous those trades actually are. Um, yeah. Why don't we just Why don't you just go for it? Why don't we just jump in? What do you think? What's What are a couple fun trades that? The Mariners could do to improve the team before the deadline. Okay. So we've talked about the Mariners and their discussions with the Cardinals about adding some of their young pieces, like a Brendan Donovan, I believe it's like a Nolan Gorman, um, Lars Newtbar even. Um, and I kind of want to pivot. We were just talking about trading Ty France. I want to add another first baseman from the Cardinals. It's going to cost a lot because he is a potential MVP candidate basically every year. He's a perennial MVP candidate. He's batting 284 right now. And I think he's the best first baseman in baseball behind Freddie Freeman. Um, I think we could go for Paul Goldschmidt. And I think it would cost a lot because he's, it's a one and a half year deal. It's kind of like getting Castillo last year. Um, but here's, here's the trade that I made up, and I already sent it to John, and he's had some time to mull it over, and he's not super excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were to send over Robbie Ray, who's injured this year, but the Cardinals are going nowhere this year, Correct. and then they've got three more years of him, uh, 
you could send over a Bryce Miller or a Brian Wu, who the Cardinals could immediately slot into their rotation. And you could send over an Emerson Hancock, who should be ready at some point next year to be part of that rotation. The Cardinals need pitching, and we honestly can provide it, and I trust that the Mariners organization can develop young pitchers and have them ready to go like they've done with Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, and Wu, and even Hancock. Hancock's on the cusp right now, and he's good. He's a good player. If we trade those three, three of those guys, sorry, to the Cardinals, that I think that's enough for Paul Goldschmidt, especially because it's not for this year for them. We want Goldschmidt for the end of this year. He bumps up our our lineup tremendously. Like he slots into that number three spot, and that's just like like I said, it's an MVP candidate immediately in our lineup, who's proven for fifteen years how good he is at the position. And John is just looking at me, ready to get off his take. Let me, um, let me out, coach. Let me off the chain. Okay. All great points. He's having a great year. Uh, he's got a 2.7 war this year, 17 home runs, 372 on base, 472 slugging. Really nice. Really, really nice. I just want to clarify to our viewers so we all are clear about what the trade is. And I have your text to me here verbatim. Trading for Paul Goldschmidt, giving up Bryce Miller, Robbie Ray, and Emerson Hancock. Hancock. Yeah. yeah, and I'm okay with swapping Miller and Wu, but that's you know less yes. value to them. But I just wanted to clarify that it's all three for Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Emerson doesn't have a ton of value. He has he has a lot of value, but for a team that needs pitching in the coming years, which correct, you know, he's not ready right now. Which is I him and Robbie Ray are kind of an interesting pair of like kind of the opposite of like Robbie provides more immediate term value, but also not necessarily for a team this year. Exactly. Um, so I like those two together. Huh, throwing in Bryce Miller, you would you would have to if we were like five games above five hundred, and you were like, "Hey, Paul Goldschmidt for Bryce Miller straight up," I'd be like, "Ah, shit. Okay, let's go for it. You know, let's pull the trigger." Trading all three of those guys this year for Paul Goldschmidt, who is thirty-five years old, I believe. Is that yep. right? Yep. Yeah, 35 years old, born in 1987, um, before Microsoft was founded. Um, Yikes. Yeah, he's having a really good year, and it doesn't necessarily – it's okay. Let me just say a couple things. Uh, He's a career 295 batter, so his batting average is down this year compared to his career. Not horrendously, but it's down. His on-base percentage is down 20 points this year compared to his career average. Slugging's down 50 points from his career average. We're seeing signs of slippage. Maybe it's an anomaly, but compared to his career, he is having a down year in almost all his hitting statistics this year. And what do we know about elderly players? It can go fast. So you're right. Maybe we get a great end of the year from him this year. Maybe we get an awesome year from him next year. Eesh. I'm not sure how much more you can count on. He's an expensive guy. He's about as much as Robbie Ray. Correct. Robbie Ray's an expensive guy. I mean, compared to the average pitcher, like we signed Robbie Ray at his peak, which he's now making $23 million a year. Paul Goldschmidt's making 26. That's an amazing, amazing contract for a guy who, granted, he's old, but he's still, at the time of the contract signing, was an MVP candidate, and he's still... You know how many years he has left on that thing? A year and a half. So it'd be this, the end of this year and next year. Yeah. Well, okay. That's not horrible, but I just, it's just a lot of value to give up. Bryce Miller, the other two, like if it was, if it was Robbie and Emerson, I'd be like, oh my God, you must be joking. That's that's the problem. You need to give some value immediately. Absolutely. You need to add value. Bryce Miller has a ton of value. He's the real deal. He's a real good young pitcher. So say it's Brian Wu. I like that more, but I also I'm not on I'm not as high on Brian. I know. I just I also just think it's that is a huge like win now move for a team that might not be ready for that. I would just I would just love to trade for a guy that's win now, but also win later. I'd love to play with a guy who can help us this year, but will also like could hypothetically be along with Julio for most of his ride. You know. I think that's a lovely thought, but I don't think it's how... Like, we've got Jared, we've got Logan, we've got Cal, we've got George, we've got Bryce O'Brien. Like, we've got guys who are going to be here for the next five, six years. Yeah. I don't think we need every single player on this roster to follow that that structure. True. Um, That's very true. 
And here's, let me, let me get, this is like a side note that I've made because I think it's important. Um, we can't not trade Robbie Ray and get Paul Goldschmidt in my mind because we need to have money for Shohei Otani next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's that. Um, um, that'd be a, a change in pace for Seattle management to allow that sort of spending, but. Well, and, and so that's the thing is like, if you get rid of Robbie Ray's contract to get a guy of equal value contract wise in a better spot, burning out sooner, who's burning out sooner, but you can sign Shohei because it feels like they're still planning to do that. You fill a pitcher role that you just lost. You fill the DH role. That's been a miss for the rest for the last seven seasons. Um, here's another note, Ty France. And I was actually like really thinking about this. I was like, what could we do to solve our second base issue? Move Ty France to fucking second base. He played second base in the minors and for the Padres and for us for like, you know, 50 games, but he had a good enough fielding percentage that it was average. The average fielding percentage is 985. Yeah. He was playing a 984 fielding percentage for those 50 games at second base. He's not athletic, but he could play second base. We fix our second base issue with Ty France being what a second baseman is, which is an on-base machine. Yes. We fix our first base issue because Paul Goldschmidt is a much better slugging hitter. Yep. We get a pitcher in, hopefully, Shohei Otani. Obviously, this not the entire situation, but a lot of this rides on Shohei coming in and taking in that Bryce Miller and Robbie Ray role. That is a huge, huge... Which is, which is big, but at the same time, you, so you lose a Bryce Miller or a Brian Wu this year. You could sign a number five pitcher for. We both agree we have. Yeah. We have stuff to get. This is like a move so that we know we have four guys for the playoffs and we have an amazing lineup. And we can move Ty France to second or third. He also played third base. And we fix our current issue with Gino, I think, being a free agent after next year. It's just like. Okay. Well, we'll. It's perfect in my mind. It's perfect. I love (laughs) love your head back. A, A couple little notes. St. Louis, one problem with Paul Goldschmidt as a trade asset. Forget his age. Forget the fact that he's borderline geriatric. He's he's Captain St. Louis. He's Mr. St. Louis. You know, he walks around wearing the city flag on his back. He's Steph Curry to St. Louis. He's not Steph Curry, but well, how long has he, has he played at St. Louis his entire career? He was at an Arizona, he was an Arizona guy for six years. Uh, not very long, I don't think. Let's see when he was. When's the last time he was on? He signed a five-year contract with St. Louis, and I don't know if that was an extension, but that's that's the contract that I was looking at was five years. Yeah, he came to St. Louis in 2019. Yeah, that's that's nothing. That's less long than I thought. Yeah, he was with the Diamondbacks from 2013 to 2019. He was good on the Diamondbacks too. Okay, well that kind of cuts into my point a little bit. I was thinking. His value might be a little overinflated because if a team's going to trade their guy, yeah. you're always going to give a little tax on that. I understand that. But, but okay, I'll I don't go, think so. I'll go. That's a great point. Thanks for embarrassing me in front of our listeners. That's um, what I do, man. Let me pivot to a better point, which is that you're talking about trading for an old guy who's a good hitter to help support our lineup, and that maybe through some like weird twisting of positions, we could also solve our second base and DH positions particularly by getting Shohei, which... No, and that wouldn't be this year. That would be for next year, yeah. I would put the likelihood of us getting Shohei somewhere between, you know, hell freezing over and 1%, something between those two values. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I would give us a 7%. Okay, well, that's optimistic. But regardless, I'm more of a bird-in-the-hand guy. And if we're talking about trading with St. Louis, literally two guys you named... Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman. I was going to say Niles. Uh, Nolan Gorman plays second base. You don't need to move Ty France anywhere. We could just trade for an awesome second baseman who, by the way, has 22 home runs on the year and his slugging's over 500. I I, I appreciate that. I, my problem is the Cardinals want like a Logan Gilbert, and I know you're okay with that, and you would rather have Bryce Miller. I almost feel like. But I don't want to trade Logan Gilbert just because he's I been. I don't agreed. either. But you think you think it would take more to get him than it would to take Goldschmidt? Oh yeah, or no? It would take it would take less to get Gorman, but I don't think he's the player that. I don't know. I I don't. It's tough because he's twenty three. He's controllable. That's the problem. It would take a lot more. You think it would take more than it would to get Goldschmidt? But okay, okay, we'll go ahead and throw that on the wayside. Brandon Donovan plays second base and DH. He's twenty six little older 
batting 288, 11 home runs. It would be way cheaper than Goldschmidt. Part of getting Goldschmidt's are paying for the name, you know? And that's the thing. That's why I feel like it would be harder almost to get him. But I agree. I think it'd be tough because I know the Mariners, you know, need a second baseman, theoretically. Yeah, they have two second basemen that are both younger and both bring something to the table equal to or greater than Goldschmidt. And my problem is we've talked about these guys. I wanted to come up with a new trade idea, to be honest. You know, I appreciate you, I appreciate <laughs> you bringing the heat with a big name. And, you know, yeah, dude, if we were five games above, I would pull the trigger so fast. Because I, I do, Goldschmidt's awesome. And he's a postseason guy, too. The guy is cold-blooded. But it's just, it's a lot of assets to send out the door for a guy that's 35. The other thought is the Cardinals are building for a longer term because they have these young guys who are controllable. Like, I think... If they're going to win, they're either going to try to win next year or in three years. And I think the guys that we provide them would have to reflect that kind of trade-off. Like they're going to be selling kind of like what we were saying, getting rid of Teoscar. They're going to be selling their like big guys who are underperforming that are leaving soon, which in my mind is Goldschmidt. If we're looking at that package of, of Miller and Ray and, and what's his name, I would, I, think I would rather cut that package down to get one of the other guys. Then I would give the full thing for, like, I think if we did Ray and Bryce Miller and remind me the name of the prospect, Emerson Hancock, Emerson Hancock, and then if we threw in something else, we, we could, could get, get two. We could get both of them. We could get Har- Har- Donovan and Gorman because Miller and Han- Hancock both have a lot of value as talented young pitchers. That fits St. Louis's timeline. If they wanted to win like next year or in a couple of years, keeping Goldschmidt around, keeping getting Robbie Ray in there, these would all be good things for that team. Yeah, my, my thought was maybe getting a Tyler O'Neill from them, who's one of their outfielders. Love him. Um, he's having 10 minutes in here, actually. He's been injured the last little bit, but he's he's been really good for a long time. He's been really good. And yeah, good value because he's having a down year. And he only makes $5 million. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, I the Cardinals are just such a trade fit. I was I was thinking, I was I was just like really inspired the other day, and I was like, we could get Paul Goldschmidt, especially if we move Ty France around. Like, it's doable, and it would allow us to like to give us some time to, to figure out what we want to do next and kind of see how the team develops because, it, you know, like we were saying, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're ready this year and Goldschmidt would be good for next year and kind of having that veteran presence. And he'd be a way better upgrade than fucking Carlos Santana, which is what everybody <laughs> else was calling out. Yeah, I did. I was so glad to see Santana go elsewhere. I did not want any part of that. Yeah, um, That's totally fair. Goldschmidt, to your credit, a great player who, like, one, I also kind of just like bringing a big name into Seattle. We yeah. don't do that very often, so that alone would be cool. If we could get two years out of him at his current level, that'd be awesome. He is great. He hits for power. He gets on base. He's just like a consistent guy, too. He's a pro's pro. He's a playoff guy. All of those things are true. I, I did just want to say, he's batting 285 on the year. TJ Friedel's batting 284. <laughs> So I've looked into TJ Friedel a little bit. I looked into it. The, I, I don't want to talk about it. He's a rookie, right? Correct. He's 27. Is he actually? Yeah. yeah. He's old. This is like his first year. He's not, I don't think he's as good as Warren. That's a really think. good point. I did not realize he's 27. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I That and I don't think the Reds are going to sell because they're in the wild card hunt. Correct. You're, you're right. I was just, you know how much I love for joking with you about Fidel. He also has seven home runs on the year. He doesn't hit with nearly the power that Goldschmidt does. And I did not realize that he was 27. Shit. Oh, that bums me out. I know all the fans are probably like, oh my God, why is Tyler like off the board of this TJ Fidel guy? That's why. I didn't. I wanted John to keep going. I've been but... <laughs> to this guy for, for months. He also, he's been struggling recently. He was batting like 315 when we last talked. He's down to 284. So, yeah. Yeah. I morally just wanted to poke fun, but I like Goldschmidt. That's fun. That's okay. a good one. Here's another thought for you. And I know we're, we're running at 45 minutes, so maybe we finish up in, in 10 minutes about this trade talks and move into our final, final segment. But I want to know, would you trade Bryce Miller straight up for Bobby Witt Jr., who is the Royals? He was like in the Adley Rutschman, Julio, and Bobby Witt Jr., like top three prospects last year. Bobby Wood Jr. was like that third prospect. Yeah. And Adley and Julio have kind of taken off, and Witt has, is in like a little bit of a slump right now, which would be buying low, which is what we want to do. 
The problem is you'd have to get, you know, you'd have to give a lot to get a third baseman who could re- basically replace Gino for the next six years. Like he's, he's playing a little bit poorly this year and this would be a move to impact the future. But I really, I was thinking about it and I was like, the Royals are so bad. I don't know that there's any value that they're going to get out of that guy in the next few years. Um, would you trade Bryce Miller for him? I just wanted to pull up his stats. Do you know what he's hitting on the air? I think he's in like the 230s or something. Bobby Witt. Yeah, 250, 16 home runs. He's got like 28 stolen bases. Wow. Uh, yeah, 23 years old. Um, would I trade Bryce Miller straight up for Bobby Witt? Um, if I was dealing in good faith, I probably would in terms of... He's an everyday player at third base who theoretically should be... and. And in face-up value, he has less value than Bryce Miller because Bryce Miller is playing better as a player right now, playing at a more important position, and, well, yeah, those two things. Um, But he fills more of a need on our team where we have a a glut of pitching, especially those kind of guys like Bryce. Um, And he has higher upside. Bryce has been overperforming his prospected talent, and Bobby Wood has been underperforming. So, you know, kind of a chance to, yeah, sell high and to buy low. For those reasons, yes, I would. I would try to get more out of the Royals because if you're already kind of stealing their nice young prospect and giving them an awesome young piss, piss <laughs> prospect <laughs> for years to come, I'd love to see if we could steal one of their bets, you know, because why not? I like the thought. I think, I think, it's, it would be so hard to even get them to part with Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah, you think anything else may just be insulted? Yeah, I, I yeah, that's my thought. I just I just wanted to bring it up because I know you're attached to Bryce Miller, but uh, there there are some good potential trades that you could trade him in a one for one deal. And you found you found a great one. You found a guy who hits a solid percentage with power, who's young, talented, underperforming his hypothetical position. That's exactly the kind of guy I would love to trade Bryce Miller for. That's so much easier for me than trading for Paul Goldschmidt. Like, and the thing is, I don't, you know, I don't care about Robbie Ray, and I didn't even know who this pitching prospect was. It's about Bryce Miller for me. Yeah. It's like, I want a talented player, another talented hitter on the team right now. I just, I would like more value in that. Cause obviously, like you're saying, we have so many young guys. Eventually, we're going to have to lose some of them. But if we got Bobby Witt and he was having a good couple of years and we were looking down the barrel of having to pay him a massive contract to retain him and decided it didn't make sense for our team, we could potentially turn him over again for more value. But if you get Goldschmidt, his value is decreasing every day. He's like a used car. Bobby Witt would be more like a stock. You know, His value would be increasing year by year. Um, so that's my thought when it comes to trading a guy like Bryce. Okay. Um, I'm going to rattle off three names for you that I think might be good fits in the outfield. Um, and I've talked about one of them before, but I want to just hear kind of your immediate thought after I say the name. I'm going to give you the contract value as well. All right. Hunter Renfro, this year, so we'd get him for the end of this season. He makes $11.9 million this year, so we pay about four. Four million. Love Hunter. Um, Jock Peterson, he makes $20 million this year. Um, and he, this is his only year that he signed. He, uh, you would pay about like, you know, six and a half million, um, or Michael Conforto who has a two year deal. He's finishing up at the end of this season, or he's finishing up the first year at the end of this season. He makes 18 million a year. Um, and he'd be signed for the next season as well. Do you know much about any of those guys? Uh, yeah. Where's Jacques now? Uh, the giants. And so is Michael Conforto. Okay. Two Giants players who the Giants are on the cusp of the wild card, but it doesn't feel like it. No, it, they're having kind of a, yeah, they're 56 and 47. They're a good team. They're good, but it does, like they're the same. I think the thing is they're the same wins and win loss totals as the Diamondbacks. And so it feels like they're kind of battling it out for the second spot. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know what Ken Florida's value would be in terms of what they would want back. He's a 240 hitter, 13 home runs. He's 30 years old. Um, I, I like him. I think he's a good player. Um, he's a Seattle guy. He's from Seattle. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that contract is, is reasonable, a little, a little pricey, but reasonable. Especially he's coming off an injury. So he wanted an opt out after this season and only, you know, a short contract to try and kind of buy, build his stock back up. So, sure. Um, so I like that name. If, if they were to make a trade for reasonable value and bring him in, I would be, I'd be happy with that. 
Jock Peterson would make me sad. Um, not only is he having a down year, he's 244, 10 home runs, 31 years old. Just like not by all accounts, not a locker room guy. That's true. Not yeah. necessarily a postseason guy. Seems pretty immature. Has bounced around to a lot of teams in the he, last. He almost seems like a poor man's Jared Kelnick. The way that he like plays. He's like a Jared Kelnick that like doesn't care about playing baseball. I shouldn't say that. That's hard to say. I like Jared Kelnick as like a person. I Jack Peterson gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> um, so I I would be. If we if we un, if we traded for less value and got Jock Peterson, I would still be sad because I just don't like Jock. And then who, remind me who's the first name? Hunter Renfro. He's the guy we we talked about. I love I love Hunter Renfro. I just wanted to say I just I love players when they have like the same name as somebody else in a professional sport. It's such like an uncanny like resemblance between him and Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver for the, for the Oakland Raiders. They're both just like kind of undervalued like really scrappy, talented, like, between-the-lines guys that just that, that are just consistently better than you'd expect them to be. They're both big in big moments. I, I love both those guys. Anybody named Hunter Renfro, I'm, I'm automatically in on. So, yeah, I like Hunter a lot. And on that deal, he's far and away, I think, the most valuable. So if we were able, able to get our hands on him, I would be very excited. I, I That's like a you presented me with, like, an A trade, a B-minus trade, and, like, a C minus trade. Yeah, I, I I like all the three of those guys' value. I think Renfro would be my favorite as well because he can also play first base. Um, and then you, we could move the, Ty over. Yeah, and the, well, and the problem is, we don't, well, we could just give Ty a day off if he needs it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the problem is, all three of those guys are on teams that are kind of still deciding if they're going to. Compete. So I think if we see the Angels trade Shohei or something like that, we could easily go for like a steal Hunter Renfro out from under them. Mm -hmm. um, if we see the Giants get rid of a couple guys, then maybe we say, oh, are they selling? And we just like, you know, snipe those guys out from under them as well. But they, those three are kind of guys that are on the cusp. And I figured it'd be nice to think about and talk about them. Um, one, a lot of discussion on Mariners Twitter has been about Jonathan India. And we talked about we've talked about him previously. You know, I love my Reds. Um, the problem is the Reds are good, and I think they want to currently keep their team. I think they're listening to Jonathan India trades because they have a glut of infielders, um, kind of like we do with pitchers. They're eight games over five hundred. They're what I would want us to be to trade for Paul Goldschmidt. Why would they want to give him up? Yeah, so it's a it's a tough sell. He's kind of got a third baseman's makeup. Um, he's not playing as well as he as he has previous seasons. So I'm not as in on Jonathan India as I as I once was, but I really like him. I don't think we could get reasonable value for him. I, I, yeah, it's so funny. The Reds have just really gone on a tear yeah. and gone from like the funnest seller in in BMLB to a team that's not going to part with anybody more than likely. So yeah, they're they're really good. They're a game and a half behind the Brewers for first in the Central. So I don't think we'll see any. If anything, they'll be buying. Um, they'll want they'll want us to give them Paul Goldschmidt. Or Logan Gilbert. That's that's the big rumor is Jonathan India for Logan Gilbert. And See, just, I don't I like hate that. that deal. Yeah, I yeah. get that deal too. I do not think that's good value. Um, yeah, Shohei. Why don't we trade for Shohei? We might have to have an entire episode dedicated to like why this could work and why it can't. Yeah, a lot of reasons why it can't. But like, yeah, what you were saying about in like a year trying to sign him when he's a free agent. He would make that money back instantly. Like if you paid him fifty million dollars a year, he would make fifty million dollars like for your team. Oh, like for value? Yeah, like, he is going to be the most expensive player in the MLB and a bargain. Yeah, he, dude, yeah, he that's is the thing. It. He is so fucking good. Like he may not be playing quite as he might not be pitching quite as well this year as he did last year, and I, like I couldn't care less. I like he is he's a really solid pitcher. He's not an ace, but he's a really solid pitcher. He could never pitch again, and he would be worth fifty million a year. He's he's, he's arguably the most talented offensive player in baseball. He's got thirty-four. He's on pace to hit sixty home runs this year. He's leading the MLB in home runs, triples, and doubles. <laughs> we call that we call that in the industry hitting for power. <laughs> the guy is allergic to singles. Um, yeah, I I also I do believe. You know, you always hear stuff like that. It's like, oh, we'll just wait till he's a free agent and then try to sign him. That way we don't have to trade for him. You know, with the way these things work, I would not be surprised if he inks an extension the second that he's traded to a team. 
um, any team that trades for him is not trading for a one-year loaner. Yeah, they they're they would be giving up a ton to get a half a year of Shohei and a shot at extending him. Absolutely. So there would there's no way a trade will happen without an under the table agreement that like yeah I'll resign here. You know, tell me what you're giving up. Okay, this will be the roster. Yeah, I'll resign here because it's just it's not going to happen. The the Dodgers are not going to give up half their roster for Shohei have him walk in a year, you know, which is not going to happen. So if we wanted a shot at Shohei and nobody wants a shot more than me, I would, I would trade, I would trade, I'd throw Julio in the trade. Right now, if we traded Julio for Shohei Otani right now. Absolutely. And, and like, obviously we'd have to include more. I mean, I don't necessarily think that like we, we were, we'd be trading 14 years of Julio for a half a year of Shohei. Once by once again, there would be an understanding that he would sign a deal. You don't, you don't have that though. You don't have that until he's on your team and you can talk with his representatives. Yeah, you're right. That stuff never happens before that that line is crossed. Um, Anyways. I understand. In terms of value, you're right. 13 years of Julio and half a year of Shohei are not equivalent. But in terms of in terms of value as a player, yeah, we would have to throw something else in. Yeah. It would have to be Julio and Bryce Miller and all of our all of our talent and Mike Ford. <laughs> We'd have to start from scratch. We'd have to cut it down to the cut it down to the beams, and I would do it. We'd have to look like the Angels, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a depressing thought! Yeah, he's hitting three hundred with thirty six home runs. The dude is six four. I just man, I don't know. Um, what would it what would it be? Because because I all I was trying to express is how much I value Shohei. The Mariners are not trading Julio. They're not doing it. They don't care. They don't even care that Shohei might be a better player. They care about like how much the city loves Julio and how yeah. much Julio loves the city and how good Julio is. It would be it would be a George Kirby, a Brian Wu, and probably a Jonathan Class A. Kalnick. No, not Kalnick. You, you like you give two very high value current major leaguers, which were the pitchers because they probably need pitching more than anything else. Correct. Um, we, or you could you could switch. You could say Kirby, Kelnick, and then you don't think so. You don't think he's a three talented starting players guy? You think you think the Angels are going to take you, – you think that's like the best offer they're going to get? It's a half a year, John. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I guess that's uh, that's where uh, the big divide between you and I is. Is that I just feel like you, I don't you're I don't think you're correct that no conversations are being had. Even even if you have those conversations, there's no assurance that once he's on there's your no team, he's going to stay with you guys. And so, like, even if they say that, correct. unless you get him to ink a contract with the Angels to extend and then trade. So like a second the only trade. thing you're getting, yeah. But So maybe that's the most likely scenario of him being traded because I'm just, I'm telling, like, I think part of what's unique is how little left on his deal there is. You know, how often are guys truly traded with half a year left? But it makes sense for the Angels if they know they're not going to keep him. It's like, and he still has tremendous value. You, If they don't trade him, they're so stupid. They have to deal him. I mean, unless they think they're going to compete. For the... He's going to walk. I don't yeah. think if even if they compete, I think he's going to walk. Yeah, but I'm saying you you don't trade him if you think you can compete and add players to your roster right now. Like you you buy you you go all in for this year if you think that. Oh, if they think they can win, yeah, yeah I guess. Um, but I can't think of a single instance in like the history of professional sports where a team has been like, hey. You know, these hush-hush deals happen all the time. Hey, come to us. You'll sign an extension here. Any time where it's been like a short-term thing, where it's like clear that we are trading with the intent of you resigning, that the player hasn't. And that's because I think this stuff often gets worked out behind closed doors. And I think for whatever reason, players have by far and large honored those types of agreements. Um, if Shohei is traded to any team, us included, for lots of value and then walks in half a year, that will be a devastating blow to that team. Devastating. Absolutely brutal. Um, may, maybe it'll happen. I would be surprised. Yeah. Anyways, that's a lot about Shohei and the Angels. Um, let's finish up with a little bit 
off-brand Seattle talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's close the book on the Mariners. That's a full hour on Mariners talk. That's, I'm sick of it. John was skeptical. I knew it was going to happen. God. <laughs> We're just too, too bombastic. Too passionate. Um, Seattle Storm. Yeah. So last, last week, um, was it last week? I think I have it written down. It was, I think, the 18th of July um, was the WNBA All-Star Game. And the WNBA All-Star Game uh, was very fun. It was, I think the final score was like 143 to 127. Um, and who was our lone representative? That would have been Jewel Lloyd um, from the Storm. And she did nothing but drop the most points ever in a WNBA All-Star Game, hitting 10 threes and having 31 points, which is... That's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy stat. She had an and one or hit a free throw or something. But other than that, it was all threes. Um and had the most yeah most points in an All Star game for the WNBA ever, and won All Star game MVP. Um, so I just want to talk about kind of the the greatness that Jewel Lloyd has been exhibiting a little bit recently. That's yeah, she's been awesome on the year. She's averaging twenty five a game, three assists a game, shooting forty percent from three. Um, she's awesome. She's been kind of like the one bright spot on what is a stinky Storm team. What do you yeah. say we are? Four They're four and nineteen right now. Looking like the Oakland Athletics out there. Correct, and she and she has just been really balling out. Early in the year, she was leading the WNBA in scoring. I think with twenty five games, she she can't be first anymore. But um, yeah, she's just been a lot of fun to watch. I I went to a we talked when I went to a starting game. She was our leading scorer then, believe it or not. We watched the end of uh, the game against the Sparks. That was a fun game. She was really good in that one. Um, yeah. I was thinking about what her play means for like the future of the storm. Yeah. And uh, so her, she's currently, she signed an extension after she was signed from 2019 to 2021 um, and then signed a two year extension. So she's done her, or she's a free agent in 2024. Um, but I think having her around as like a point guard to mentor yeah. the next one or, you know, or we could extend her. We've seen that she's very talented still, yeah. but uh, I think she's like, the next up and coming Seattle star, which is really cool to see um, when it comes to like, you know, yeah, what's so, so cool for it too, is that like, yeah, she's kind of having her moment. Cause she was a part of some really awesome storm teams, yeah. like Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. It was like, you know, she was never the headliner and you know, she's 29 years old. Now she's getting that chance and she's showing that she always had the ability to do it. It's kind of cool that she gets that chance in a Seattle uniform. You know, she's been so great for us for so many years, but we haven't necessarily seen this mm-hmm. side of her game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so torn with her when, it, you know, my cynical self and my basketball-loving self, where, like, she is the only fun thing to watch about the Storm right now. No disrespect to the Storm roster. We all knew what it was going to be coming into this year. Yep. We tore it down to the studs. Um, and if we did not have her, we – there's a chance that we would be zero in 23. Um, she's the only fun thing to watch. She's the only reason I would turn on a storm game. Um, that's what she's bringing to the table. With that being said, she is 29. Um, and she is helping us win games, which is very counterproductive. <laughs> um, I can't, part of me can't help but wonder if, the best thing you could do is trade her because she's got incredible value. She's awesome. She's been awesome all year. Yeah. I'm actually not sure when the WNBA trade deadline happens. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe we have to trade her next year or something, but like, does she bring more as like, you know, the headliner, the big name, the awesome player that makes a bad team fun to watch, or is it worth turning her over for more assets for the future? I would also like if Jewel Lloyd falling out is what, you know, cost us a chance at Caitlin Clark. I would be so sad. <laughs> that would just make me so sad, Jewel. Please don't do that to us. I think one of the interesting things about that is like if we if we were to get Caitlin Clark, the fact that Sue Bird's not around, but Jewel Lloyd learned all that she has from Sue Bird, like that would be that would be the best sort of mentorship that Caitlin Clark could come into. You know, that's all. Yeah, and she's a guard too. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but let's be real. If we got Caitlin Clark, Sue Bird would take an assistant coach position just to get the job. <laughs> Sue Bird loves basketball in the storm enough. I think she'd want to be a part of that. But, you know, that's actually a really good point. I It's always nice to have, like, a talented vet next to a really young, good player. Do you know if Caitlin's eligible after this year? Yeah. This is, like, she's going to get drafted that's next year. Yeah. That's, like, so So I'm psyched to hear that we're 4-19, but I kind of wish we were 0-23. I'm not certain how the WNBA lottery works, but I believe it's 
less they're less worried about like tanking than the NBA is. I think it's more um, conformed to the worst teams getting the highest picks, and Kalen will undoubtedly be the number one overall pick. Um, yeah, I. That's why I can't help but wonder. It's like Jewel, I watch you around, but you gotta cool it at the end of these games, you know. Four, four is too many. Four is too many. But all that is to say, she's having a great year. We've uh, yes. really appreciated how she's been representing the Storm in the All Star game and throughout the season. Even even talking about trading her, we're we're celebrating Jewel Lloyd. She has been so awesome, like that. Maybe she's been too awesome. You know, that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, congrats, Jewel Lloyd. That's that's pretty sick. Most ever in an All Star game. Um, Ten threes. That's gross. Um, keep keep doing your work, but maybe just a little worse. Um, with that being said, John, you want to get any more hot takes off before we sign off? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, we have we have Hawks Hawks talk, but we might uh, save it for another pod when the season's getting a little closer. Yeah, coming up, you know, next month we're we're coming up on football season. Are you ready to get the first round of Sound Up Seattle football discussion in here pretty soon? Uh, I'm very excited. You know me. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard not to just talk about gambling for like two hours an episode, but <laughs> we'll do our best. I just, I did want to say for all the listeners out there, uh, the Storm are the bottom team in the WNBA at 419. The second two teams are the Mercury and the Fever, both of whom have six wins. So it is a little tight at the bottom, but we are in the you know lead position. We, we are, are the stinkiest. We are the most active in trying to acquire Caitlin Clark. We'll say that. So, All right. With that being said, hey, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. Uh, you can find us anywhere else uh, at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. That includes Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, those are the three. But if you want to talk to us, that's where you can find us. Um, we'd love to hear your Mariners trade discussions if you're listening to this before the trade deadline happens. Um, I'm sure we'll get a trade deadline like post uh, discussion going afterwards. I guess we didn't even mention the Mariners traded for a relief pitcher and they traded Mason McCoy, who was a triple A shortstop. That doesn't really matter. They got a relief pitcher out of it. Didn't really mean much. Anyways, um, you can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50 everywhere that's important. Um, you can find John chilling, sitting in our very warm living room, um, playing, playing Halo. Halo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been locked in. Um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you have a good, uh, good weekend. Go Mariners, man. Spartans never die. (laughs)